Welcome to Dogwood Church. Thank you for joining us today. It's time for our children to be dismissed. Uh, if you have kids that are in the nursery, they can be taken back if they need to be taken back. And then Kids for Kids Zone uh, can head over to these side doors now. Well, it's good to be back. 2.52, that's right. It's going to take me a while to remember that. 2.52, formerly, the artist formerly known as Kid Zone. Um, so, 2.52 can be dismissed. So, it's good to be back with you all after uh, the surprise of not being able to come last week was unexpected. Uh, thanks for the prayers. Uh, we are mostly better, but then my daughter is not feeling well today. That seems to be something entirely different than what we all had last week. And so um, Sarah Grace is home with her. But thank you, Brother Ronnie, for stepping in on very short notice and, and preaching last week. I, I greatly appreciate that. If you have your, your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 3. As we continue our series in the, in the Gospel of Luke today, uh, today's text addresses the subject of repentance. Uh, repentance in Scripture holds the idea of turning from one's sin and turning to God. Uh, so it, it's not the same thing as belief, but the two certainly are tied together. They are connected. Um, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church says repentance and belief are essentially two sides of the same coin. So there is repenting or turning from sin, and then belief is turning to Jesus and, and, and trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness that is available. And so they are united, they are connected. And so our text today deals with repentance. And as we look at this text, um, if you have never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've never turned from your sin and turned to him, this is a message for you. This is a call for you to, to turn from the way of life that God does not want for you and turn to his son to receive the forgiveness that's available. But this is a message for every one of us, not just non-believers, uh, we as believers, we as the church, should also constantly examine our hearts and recognize that we are sinners that will constantly turn away from God and draw our lives towards things that He does not desire. And the call for us today is to repent, to turn from those and turn back to our precious Savior. Martin Luther, in his first theses of his first thesis of the 95 theses, says, "When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, "Repent," he called for the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance." I titled my sermon "The Necessity of Repentance." It's a message for all of us. It's a message for me as much as it is. For you, I'm going to read the text from Luke 3 and then pray for us. <clears throat> Luke 3, starting in verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. 
his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lathinius, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The kid will become straight. The rough ways smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. He then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came out to be baptized, and they asked him, What should we do? Teacher, I'm sorry, teacher, what should we do? He told them, don't collect any more than what you've been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, what should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were waiting expectantly and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them, I baptize you with water, but the one who is coming is more powerful than I am. One who's coming is more powerful than I am. <clears throat> I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with a fire that never goes out. Then along with many exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added to everything else. He locked up John in prison. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us believe. Open our hearts now to the truth of this message. Help us examine ourselves and how it applies to us and then lead us to obedience. Help us follow and respond in the way you want us to respond. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we work our way through this text, we're going to see four different truths concerning repentance. The first of these is this. Repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Let's look back at verses 1 through 6 in Luke 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, 
while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the t- was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip was tetrarch of the reg- region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked way will become straight and the rough way smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. So here we see the start of John the Baptist's ministry. Uh, we uh, saw previously in the text that he uh, was in the wilderness until it was time for the start of his ministry. And remember, John's ministry is one to prepare the way for the coming Messiah, to, to make the people ready for the coming of Jesus. And so based off of this, uh, the, the people that are listed here, based off of the uh, time frames that we are given, all of the different rulers, religious rulers and political leaders, uh, the time frame we're looking at is somewhere around the year 28 or 29 is when this takes place. And so we have all of these leaders. We have uh, the Roman leaders We have the Jewish leaders who have been kind of put in place by the Romans to give the image of the Jews controlling their regions, but they're really just puppet kingdoms, puppet rulers uh, who are being controlled by Rome. And then we've got the religious leaders, Annas and Caiaphas. And so all of these leaders, and then where does God's word come? God's word doesn't come to any of these in important, influential people according to the world standards. God's word comes to John, the son of Zechariah, who's in the wilderness. The, the message is now, it, it's time to prepare the way. It's time to make the people ready for their coming Messiah. He was going to point people to this. And so there's this passage from Isaiah that uh, was a prophecy hundreds of years before this took place that spoke about John the Baptist and saying there's going to be a voice crying out in the wilderness, getting the people ready for the coming Messiah. And so those words, there's a voice crying, prepare the way for the Lord, make his, make the, his paths straight. Level the hills, level the mountains, fill in the valleys, get the people ready for the coming of the king. And this is picking up on and what would have been common to the people in the ancient world when uh, Isaiah wrote this prophecy from God. What would be common if a king was coming to a city? And they wanted to celebrate and prepare for the king. They would take the main highway that the king was coming in and they would, they would smooth it out. They would fill in the ditches. They would fill in the valleys. They would make the road wide and easy to come in. Make it beautiful and prepare so that when the king came in, he could receive all the glory and honor that he deserved. 
And so Isaiah, hundreds of years before any of this took place, said there's going to be one that prepares God's people. Just like the ancient world prepared for a king coming in, we're going to prepare God's people for the coming king, the coming Messiah. And how does John do that? We see it in verse 3. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He called people to repent. It's time to get ready. Our king's coming. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from your sin. Turn back to God. And so he is calling people to repent, and it's specifically a repentance that's necessary to receive forgiveness. Without repenting, without turning from sin, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that's the same message that Jesus gave to the people in Matthew chapter 4. We see these words. Matthew 4, verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Our Savior has the same message that John the Baptist had, repent, turn from your sins. It's time to repent. Jesus called the people to it. John the Baptist, his ministry was one to prepare people by saying, it's time to turn from this wickedness. It is time to repent. And it was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And, and isn't it great news that we can be? Right? We, scripture's clear. Uh, and our hearts will reveal it if we're just honest with ourselves. But we are all sinners. Right? We all live in ways that God does not desire for us. And that's scary. But there's really good news that we can have forgiveness from God. It's available to us. We, can, we truly can turn from our sins and believe in Jesus and be forgiven for those things. If we would repent and believe, we will be forgiven. And so the first truth was repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. The second truth is this. Repentance results in a changed life. Repentance results in a changed life. Let's look back at verses 7 through 14. When he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear the thresh <clears throat> I'm sorry, his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. 
Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? I'm reading the wrong passage. I'm reading from Matthew. (laughs) It seemed like something was off, but I should have double-checked. And my voice is not handling things well. Forgive me. Okay. Luke 3, 7 through 14. Repentance results. So the point was this. Repentance results in a changed life. Repentance results in a changed life. Luke 3, 7. He then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, Produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise children up for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10. What should we do? What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them. The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. The tax collectors also came to be baptized and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more taxes than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Repentance should result in a changed life. So scripture doesn't give the indication that there could be repentance that says, I'm going to turn from my sin and believe in Jesus and that there would not be a change that takes place. Now, in no way am I trying to suggest that we will not still sin as people who've trusted in Jesus. But there should be a change in our lives. And our life should be one of constant change when we realize that we've turned from Jesus again, that we should turn back from Him and change and ask God, work in me. Help me live out what it is that I say that I believe. Help me live a life of obedience. There should be a change. And John, in this passage, calls the people out. He says, you're a brood of vipers. You're like a group of snakes who, when the bush has been set on fire, the snakes go fleeing. And he says, who warns you about the coming wrath? And then he says, you need to change your life. This is not about going through some type of religious practice. Like you're just going to come out here, be baptized, and everything's okay. Repent from your sins. Actually change. Don't just hold on to your heritage. Don't just say, hey, we've got Abraham as our father. Surely we're okay. We're God's chosen people. He says, no, repent from your sins. Change your life, there should be a change. And so we see some examples. He says, you know, 
the, the crowds, they're, they're pierced to the hearts. They realize, like, we need to do something. What do we need to do? And so he says, if you have plenty and you see people in need, take care of them. Use what you have to care for their needs. If you have two shirts, give one to someone in need. If you have plenty of food, give food to someone in need. Now, as we walk through these things, this is not one of those things of like, as long as you do these things, then you've earned your salvation. He's not talking about earning your salvation. He's just talking about changing your life. And that happens in practical ways in how you care for people and how you live in the life that you've been given. And so tax collectors say, well, what do we need to do? And he says, don't abuse your position to try to extort more money from people. Because the common practice for a tax collector is there would be uh, someone who would call in for the taxes to be collected and tax collectors would be sent out. And what they could do is anything additional that they were able to get from the people, that was essentially a bonus for them. And so common practice, the reason people in Scripture hated tax collectors is because these individuals abused their position often and said, we're going to take more. We're going to bless ourselves through this process. And he says, don't do that anymore. Quit living a life that abuses your position to take care of other people. And the same message to the soldiers. Don't use your power and the force that you have to extort money from people. Be happy with the wages that you get paid as a soldier and don't take advantage of people. And so John is saying, if you want to repent, let your life start showing there's a change here. You're not abusing your position anymore. You're caring about what's going on around you. And you're living a life of obedience where God is working in you to use you for good. Thomas Watson is a Puritan uh, writer from the 1700s. He wrote this, Repentance is a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. Inwardly humbled. So you, you feel this reality of I am a sinner and I've done things that I shouldn't do, but then there's the outward appearance that's changed. You're visibly changed because you have actually repented. Paul calls believers to this. The New Testament oftentimes is calling the church to a life of repentance, changing uh, how we live. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, we see one of those passages. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 20. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Paul says, get rid of your old sinful self. Don't continue to walk in that old sinful way of life. Turn from that. Take that off and put on the new self that we have in Christ Jesus. 
Let your life be changed. And it's going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like righteousness and purity and truth. Not perfection. Because we're sinners. But our lives should be changed because of our repentance. The third truth is this. Repentance guards us against the coming judgment. Repentance guards us against the coming judgment. In verse 15 through 17, back in Luke 3. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the weed into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Why do we need to repent? Why do we need to turn from our sins and receive forgiveness? Because judgment's coming. There is judgment that will come. And so we need the forgiveness of sins to guard us from God's coming wrath. And John clarifies here as the people are starting to wonder, like, man, this is different. He's got this message that he's trying to turn the people back to God. I wonder if he's the one. I wonder if he's the promised Messiah. And John says, no, I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to do a slave's task for him. A slave would be an individual that would untie the straps of sandals of uh, people who are honored. And he says, I'm, I'm not even worthy enough to do what a slave would do for this one that's coming. But he is coming. You need to be ready. The Messiah will come. And when he comes, there's judgment. There is judgment that's coming. And so he uses this agricultural image that would have been common to the people of the day. And some of it, it may you know, be common for you if you've worked with agriculture before, worked with grains before. But so he says his winnowing shovels in his hand, essentially what when wheat was harvested and when grains were harvested, the workers would go in and toss up the grain with a winnowing shovel and the, the seeds would fall and then the outer casing is the chaff, the little protective shell, and those would separate through the winnowing process. The chaff is useless. The chaff is destroyed. And so he says the the Messiah is coming and it's going to be a time of judgment. He will separate out the good and the useless. He will gather the grain, but there will be a consuming fire for the chaff. And so he uses this agricultural image to tell the people judgment is coming. And he's already referenced that. We saw in verse 7 as he called the people brood of vipers. He says, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? And then in verse 9, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Repentance is what will guard us from the coming judgment. And it is important for us, if, if you've never trusted in Jesus, to, to know that. That there is judgment for our sins. 
And there is eternal judgment. There is eternal separation from God. In Thessalonians, Paul, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from His glorious strength. Eternal destruction. Now, a lot of times people have a hard time reconciling this, right? We hear of God being a loving God and having a hard time reconciling how could there be a loving God but then there be eternal punishment for those who have not trusted in Jesus, for those who have not turned from their sins and turned back to the forgiveness that He's made available. But Scripture is clear. God is holy, and sin will be judged. And so for non-believers, that's an eternal judgment, an eternal punishment separated from Him. But that's not His desire for us. His desire is that we would turn from our sins and believe in His Son Jesus and be forgiven. But even for believers, there is judgment that we will face. Scripture speaks of us facing a judgment for all of the actions of our lives, the good and the evil. We will face that. We will stand before Christ. Now, that does not mean that we will face condemnation, right? I'm not talking about like an eternal punishment like non-believers, Scripture's clear. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Praise God, yes. However, there will be judgment for our actions. We will stand and hold account for those things. And so, repentance is how we guard ourselves from that. And so, the message is, look, assess your hearts and turn from your sins and turn back to Jesus. That's God's desire for us. And the last point is this. Repentance is necessary for all people. Repentance is necessary for all people. Luke 3, 18 through 20. Then, along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added to everything else, and he locked up John in prison. John's message to Herod, the ruler, uh, the one who could have him killed, John's message to him is the same message as it was to everybody else. You need to repent. You need to turn from your wickedness and turn to God. Repent from your sins. And and the reason that he speaks about specifically here is because of his brother's wife, Herodias. And so if you've uh, heard the rest of the story that's given in other areas, uh, Herod took his brother's wife as his own wife. Uh, and John calls him out and says, that's wicked. That is against God's will. She was married to your brother. 
You don't take her from your brother and make her your own wife. And then it says that he, along with everything else, all the other evil that he did, John the Baptist called him to repent. And it cost him his freedom initially, and then we'll eventually see cost him his life over time. Because he gave the same message to everyone. Repent and receive the forgiveness that's available. But Herod hardened his heart and would not listen to that message. It didn't matter that Herod was powerful. It didn't matter that there were certain people in certain positions. The message was the same. Turn from your sins. He told the people of Israel, like, don't just hold on to the reality that you're children of Abraham. Turn from your sins. So the message is the same. God wants all people to repent. He wants all people to turn from their sins and receive the forgiveness that's available. Look at what Paul says in the book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts 17 is when Paul visits Athens and uh, he is going around and he sees all of the different idols that people worship all the different statues to all the different gods, and then he sees the the statue to the unknown God, and Paul says, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about this God that you have a statue for, but you don't know. And he goes through and explains about the true and living God. And then we see in verse 30 and 31 of Acts 17, Therefore, Having overlooked the time of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man that he's appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. God now commands all people everywhere to do what? Repent. Everybody has this same message. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your power. It doesn't matter who your ancestors were. It doesn't matter what religious practices you might have gone through at some point in time in your life. We are all called to repent. Don't think you're okay because you have certain things uh, that you can look back to in your life. So for us today, church, the call is is universal to us all as one of repentance. If you've never repented, if you've never turned to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and rejected your sinful life, would you do that today? Would you trust in the forgiveness that God has made available for you today? And if you would... You'll be forgiven. You will be accepted by God. You will become a son or daughter of God. And you won't face the judgment, the wrath of God that is coming. And for for us, church, for believers, today is a day for us to assess our hearts. Right. Sometimes in a message like this, we might be tempted. I don't know if you might would ever be tempted to think, like, I hope they're listening to this. I hope, I hope he's listening or I hope she's listening. This is for us to listen to. This message is for each one of us. 
until Jesus comes again, our hearts are constantly pulled to the things of this world. We are sinners. And there are countless ways that we don't trust Him. There are countless ways that we walk in disobedience. And sometimes it looks nicer than others. But we are sinners and we are called to repent. We're called to turn from that and turn back to our precious Savior. As the hymn, Come Thou Fount, says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's true for every one of us believers. We often draw away from God and we are called to repent when we realize it. So, church, let's pause today and reflect on, God, what are ways that I'm walking in disobedience? What are ways that I am not living the way that you want me to do? And let's confess that and let's turn from that and turn back to Jesus. And let's pray for the Spirit of God to work in our hearts to continue to shape us into the people of God that He wants us to be. And so through the Spirit of God, because of what Jesus has accomplished, we can pursue a changed life. We can live out a life of repentance and demonstrate that for His glory. So I'm actually going to, today felt the the need for us to pause now, not just us go away thinking on these things. So this isn't how we normally would end our services, but I'm going to ask Kathy to play for a couple of minutes. And it's just a time for us to to prayerfully reflect, God, what are ways that I need need to turn, what are things I need to turn from in my life? And, and, And then confess that and turn back to Jesus And I've asked a couple of our elders, so Ronnie and his wife Sharon are going to be on this side, and then Chris and Amy are going to be over here. Um, Sheila's going to come up if there's a a woman that needs someone to pray with, and I'll be available. Uh, If you need someone to pray with, if you want to pray with someone and talk about what's going on in your heart, what the Spirit's doing in your heart now, we're going to have some time for that. But all of us, let's just, as Kathy plays, Let's bow our heads and let's just pray and just say, God, I want you to, I want you to work in me. For, forgive me for the ways that I've, I've turned from you and uh, keep changing me to look more like Jesus. So let's pray.
God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your patience with me, my uh, voice, and uh, getting mixed up on my, my passages today. I appreciate your patience. Um, guys, we have a loving God. We have a good and faithful and loving God. Uh, and so if, as we listen to this message and, and we realize uh, that there are things in our hearts and in our lives that, that we need to turn from. Know that God is always willing to embrace you back. No matter how severe things may seem, no matter how often it may seem, God loves us. He proved that because he sent his son for us and, and made a way so that we could be forgiven. So as, as we go out today, uh, hold on to that. And let's, let's remind ourselves daily there are ways that I'm not believing that I, like I should, and there are things that I'm doing that I shouldn't do. And when God's Spirit reveals that to us, let's turn. Let's turn back to God and receive the forgiveness that's available. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good and faithful to us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness that is available. I pray that this message of repentance will be one that will be on our hearts and minds as, as we go out. Um, we thank you that you will always uh, embrace us when we turn back to you. You'll never reject us. And so I pray that you keep working in us, Holy Spirit, to shape us into the people that you want us to be. And when we stray, reveal to us and help us turn back. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.